Hi, Holy Podcast Arenas. Welcome back, baby. I hope you had a good bank holiday weekend and lots of fun in the sun. I had a really interesting chat this week with Lonica van de Weijer. I hope that pronounced that correctly with this ridiculous Irish accent. Uh, Lonica is a 26-year-old Dutch master's student in clinical psychology at the University of Rotterdam and beginning her journey to become a Jungian analyst. She also runs a very popular Instagram page over at Literature World One, where she puts up videos and books that she's reading about and content related to mythology, dreams and depth psychology. In this podcast, we talk about dream interpretation, the unconscious, Carl Jung, the anima, the shadow and the state of Western culture at large. You can expect to learn about dreams, Jungian analysis, the negative trends in our culture and what learning about your unconscious can help you overcome, how it can lead to a more meaningful and more connected individual, and hence a more connected society at large. I really enjoyed this conversation, so I hope you get some useful stuff from it. And as always, if you like the podcast, please click the follow button on Spotify or wherever you might be listening, and stay in touch. Bo! Perfect. Yeah. So welcome to the show, Alonica, and thanks for taking time out of the busy schedule to speak with me about this stuff. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's great that you invited me. Thank you. I really appreciate it. I've been looking for somebody with your set of skills, particularly around dreams and myth and psychology, particularly because it's something I'm very interested in, but I've never actually kind of trained in it. So it's always just been kind of a passion of mine that helps with the writing and things like that. But I was interested, how did you get into Carl Jung and psychology? How did that start for you? Oh, well, well actually, it's maybe a little bit cliche, but mm. uh, Jordan Peterson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, there's so many people telling me like, I already got into you before yeah. Jordan Peterson. <laughs> I'm like, oh, wow. I, I think I'm one you. of those cliched people. I did, it, <laughs> I did it the other way around, weirdly. I... I got into Jung because I wanted to know about dreams because I wanted to mm-hmm. understand dreams. And then w- when you look up dreams on Google, Carl Jung is just the first person that pops up. So that's yeah. how I started reading him. And then I heard about Jordan Peterson as a guy who liked Carl Jung. So I was like, oh, geez, I better go check him out. And it was just a happy coincidence that he was also great. So it was, so you knew Peterson before you knew Jung then. And what about, yeah. oh, sorry. Tell us a little bit more about that actually. So, um, well, okay. So, um, when I was 18 years old, I, uh, started studying, uh, psychology mm-hmm. at the university, but, um, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's kind of a disappointment because, uh, you don't really learn about psychology. It's, I don't know. It's, it's just terrible. The study, it's just terrible. The BA degree doesn't really give you the, my sister actually did psychology for a BA as well. I know a few people have done it. And they kind of say the same thing that it doesn't really prepare you for no. clinical psychology. No. Okay. So, so you, you kind of, the, the, okay. One important thing that I learned is how science works. Yeah. I, I learned that, mm-hmm. but for the rest, like really important, um, psychological stuff, you, you don't really learn it because psychology these days is focused on, um, on behavior. It's all, uh, a cognitive mm-hmm. behavior therapy. It's all about that. And, um, so that's like 
um, for people who don't know what that is, um, you, you kind of learn tricks how to uh, cope with certain situations and to change your behavior, things like that. Um, well, psycho, uh, psychoanalysis is actually uh, that you really analyze someone's psyche and you really talk about unconscious stuff and you really try to figure out what is going on in the mind um, and in the unconscious. And so that is really interesting. That was uh, what got me into psychology in the first place. But then you learn all this, these stupid things. And so I got distracted by partying. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. It sounds and, like my degree. Um, yeah. yeah. And then, and then later on, then in the end of my bachelor's, then mm. I discovered Jordan Peterson. Mm. And that was, that was the time then that he suddenly got really famous and I got really into him and I listened like almost all of his lectures. Um, and then he also has this reading list on his website. So yep. Uh, then I started to, uh, oh, I, ha I had this one year in America, in uh, Connecticut. Mm -hmm. And um, and so I found a website and on there, the, the books were so cheap. And, you know, me as a Dutch person uh -huh. and cheap stuff, you know, like that's like jackpot. So, <laughs> yeah. so I bought so many books, like mm -hmm. for like, I don't know, three or four dollars for the people who are interested in this. This is the that website. is pretty good, um, man. I'd save a fortune. I've spent yeah. all of my money on books, but yeah, go yeah. ahead. Oh yeah, I, I still do that. But mm -hmm. the, the website of this is um, apebooks.com. Apebooks, uh, yeah, I know them actually. Well, A-B-E books, yeah. So um, yeah, but it, they, it's not in Holland, so where I live. So that's a shame. Uh, but anyway, I bought so many books and I started reading like crazy and um and i kept doing that when i uh, came home uh in holland and then at one point i i don't know i suddenly like found my calling in life yeah, <laughs> I, suddenly, yeah I could i was suddenly able to interpret dreams and you know like all these things it, it all came together yeah and astrology clicked. and things like that you mm -hmm. know like yeah so that's really interesting because there is these days, I mean, there's a real bias, I think, more towards behavioral change and psychoanalysis mm -hmm. can sometimes take a backseat. It's almost looked at like Freud with a certain amount of ridicule because we've we think we've kind of figured things out or it's easier to change people's behavior to change their beliefs rather than working on the inner stuff because it's a bit mysterious. It's like dream analysis. It's it's hard to have a, a fully developed theory of psychoanalysis. I mean, there's all these different ones. Um, so I think it's hard to systematize. Is that, yeah. do you think it's biased towards CBT because it's easier to actually teach people? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> that's, uh, that's what I've been saying that. Mm -hmm. So uh, university is actually more or less, and maybe this, this hurts uh, some people's egos, but university is actually for mediocrity this is what i always say it's not for geniuses <laughs> and because they want a lot of people in university so they can make money you know? yeah That's it's a like, business model really yeah to get. exactly mm -hmm. and you know they're and geniuses are really rare so mm -hmm. um so it is more or less for mediocrity uh and so you can't um teach topics that are too hard 
you know, and also like the, the teachers themselves, the professors, they're not geniuses. So they don't understand these topics. So you can't teach something you don't understand. So like you said, CBT is just, um, it's easy. There's so, a system to it more, I think, that you can teach people yeah. that this is what you do in this situation. Whereas with yeah. the psychoanalysts, I, yeah, dealing with the unconscious and those types of contents, I mean, I've done a lot of thinking about it. I've done some dream analysis myself as well, kind of learning about the shadow, the anima, about mm-hmm. the structure of the unconscious, but also what dreams are in that. I think it's very helpful when interpreting dreams to know how they actually function. Uh, the way I think about it is like dreams kind of hypothesize a certain way that of things that might happen. They're kind of our brain weather forecasting how things are going to go. And then by interpreting, you can kind of gain access to these patterns that you're undergoing, which you're not aware of consciously. How do you think about dreams um, in regard to interpreting them for people? So um, there are, um, I guess there are more or less two kinds of dreams, let's say. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, One is personal dreams and one is like more like, um, yeah, uh, not personal dreams. Kind of so it's big, more like archetypical kind of those larger yeah, like, like a vision, collective unconscious. Know? Yeah. With those yeah. universal symbols rather than exactly. Yeah. Personal. Mm-hmm. And so I think that those visions, um, are about that you, um, your unconscious, um, uh, it, um, it notices, uh, all, all the patterns that are going on that are playing out in reality and because um when something is a is a pattern then you can predict it you know that's yeah. like when it's a system you can predict it mm-hmm. um and so your conscience doesn't realize this but your unconscious it sees the patterns and it then will show you how the pattern will play out and then yep. that's a vision as for the personal dreams it's more like showing you what the state of your psyche is at that moment. I don't think they're predictive. I, I, I think they're just showing you like, this is going on yep. in your psyche. And, and once you understand the problem, then you will be able to, you will be able to solve it. To so. integrate it. Yeah. That's really interesting. Cause I'd heard it said that you can think of it on three levels, the subjective level, which is like your life. So that a person in your dream could represent, you know, actually what you think about that person or on the objective level, it could be a representation of your psyche of some sort. And then on the archetypical level, it could be this bigger kind of mythological concept. You see that with kind of bigger symbols like snakes or, you know, darkness or these kind of symbols that are universal in everybody's dreams that we have to contend with. Um, and do you look at them from an alchemical perspective? I mean, if you're coming at it from a Jungian view, do you look at it as part of individuation? It's guiding you towards something. Um, well, that's a good question. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't, uh, I don't really view dreams as in like, um, that there, there should be, uh, a definite goal to it mm-hmm. but i do think that when people uh, are struggling uh, psychologically 
uh, and they want to um, kind of heal uh, and they, they come to me with their dreams, then actually what, what they want, I guess, is this individuation without realizing that that's what they want. But you can't, you can't just, when, when someone just tells you a dream, because it's like, because I, I those, those people are there too, that they think like, oh, okay, so uh, as, as a joke, I'm going to tell you this dream and let's see what you make of it. You know, they don't, they don't take it seriously. That it's not real and or some sort of joke. Y- yeah, yeah, exactly. They think that I'm just some kind of, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, a, a sorceress or something like, uh, but but like fake, <laughs> and uh, that I'm playing this this act or something. I don't know what they think, and they don't don't take it take it seriously. And then they tell me this dream, and then they want to to see what I make of it, and so they can have a laugh or something, you know, like mm-hmm. family, you know, <laughs> and. Um, and so I don't think think that these kind of people um, are aiming for individuation, but people who come to me and they really want to understand what it means and they're struggling, they are aiming for individuation. So I can I can decide whether yeah, and I suppose some- you probably have the problem of self deception as well with dreams, where you know it's I've from what I've read because I was very interested in what what is a successful dream interpretation because, because there isn't an objective standard like there is in no. CBT, you know, what constitutes success? And Jung's answer to that is if it causes a change in the analyst and the person being analyzed, that it causes some sort of a, um, an inspiration or a rise, I think is how he describes it. So is that something you're on the lookout for? in the process because it is it, it is this kind of quite spiritual thing there is no um there is kind of a science to it but it it's quite intuitive so i wonder how you guide yourself through it uh well you're you're absolutely right about that there is there are no objective rules there's no system yeah. and that makes it really really hard <laughs> yeah um uh because you know also um uh, like a dream, it, it can, it can mean something, you know, like what you, uh, what you see, uh, like, for example, you know, like someone is, is, um, trying to attack you and, uh, this, this someone, it has the shape and the face of your father, for example. And then you might say like, oh, it's the shadow. But what is also possible is that it's a compensation, you know, because then your father is actually in real life too sweet, too soft, too meek. And then in your dream, he is being mm-hmm. a tyrant. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is possible that it's it's a compensation. And, you know, like, okay, what are you going to do with that? So yeah. this is why uh, well, you always have to check with the person, with the dreamer, like, okay, it could be this or it could be that. What makes more sense to you? And eventually it is the dreamer who decides what is the right interpretation because in the end uh it has to have meaning for the dreamer and if the uh, the dreamer can attach the meaning to it um then you know that that's that's the point of it that mm-hmm. that's good um so the only thing that i'm doing is more or less trying to translate trying to give 
possibilities of what it might mean. But I can never say it definitely means this and there's no other way. I can never say that. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a, it reminds me of what Jung would say to himself before every analysis that he would say, I don't know what this dream means just to gear himself up to like clear his mind. So he's not, so he has no preconceived notions about it before he actually looks at it. Because I yeah. find it quite difficult, even with my own dreams. I think it's easier if you have a lot of dreams. If there's a, a couple of them, do you find, do you look at your own dreams? Do you have kind of a dream diary or practice? <laughs> you, of course I have yeah. a dream diary. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I thought I'd ask just in case. But um, yeah, and uh, do you do the same process yourself then? So, um, yeah, well, actually, um, it's kind of interesting because... Uh, uh, I've always had so many dreams and mm -hmm. I would always come, uh, come to my parents and, and my brothers and sisters, yeah. oh, I had this dream and I was ta talking about this dream and then they never understood me because they were like, what's, what's interesting about a dream? You know, like, why are you talking about dreams? They yeah. never understood me, mm. but I was always so fascinated by my dreams. I was always telling about them and I had so many. Uh, and then I think in 2015, I started uh, writing them down. Um, and I, well, I wasn't reading back then. I didn't know Jordan Peterson back then, but I just started to to write it down. And now I understand why I did that. That's so funny. If you look back on things like, oh, now it makes sense. Um, but yeah, I still, I still write them down. Uh, it's a lot of work because I dream so much. Um, but yeah, I have, uh, I have, uh, quite, uh, interesting dreams. Quite an extensive collection. I'd say if you've been doing it since 25, I have that, but just scattered like random dreams. So I look at it sometimes and it's like, uh, cause I'm, I'm not super consistent with it. So it's just, if I have a really vivid dream, I'll always kind of analyze it and have a look at it. But they kind yeah. of, if you look back on them, they make a little bit more sense, but are you a very creative person in general? I think creative people tend to have because I was the same where I had these dreams all the time and just, I felt like I had to understand them. There was no way I could just go, ah, this is just fake or this is just, it doesn't matter. They, they always felt very significant for me yeah. and meaningful. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I, I try to, uh, understand my own dreams, but it's also something that Jung said, um, the more you get into these things in these subjects and the more you understand about this, uh, and the, the, the further you are on the, on the path of individuation, the more complex your dreams become. <laughs> so, uh, right. Did you, yeah. did you read that? Yeah. Well, so, yeah. And the more you analyze, I find that, yeah, after a couple of times, it's just, you're, yeah, it just gets more esoteric and yeah yeah so um so yeah i have a quite complicated dreams and uh, i i actually should take more time to analyze my own dreams but um yeah i'm sometimes i'm a bit lazy because you know i have so many dreams <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a it's a big job as well if you have to get up in the morning and write down like a couple of pages of dreams it's a lot of work yeah well i actually um i'm, I'm a bit lazy so hmm. i um I first always, I, I record them on my, on my phone. And then uh -huh. later when I have time, uh -huh. then I, I, uh, write them down. But I also do this in the middle of the night at, at three in the night. And I, when you wake up and just write, I was like, yeah, I did that yeah. for so long that I was, I would carry just, I just had scraps of paper everywhere where I was writing down dreams all the time. Um, because they are fascinating. Are you really, 
it's such an unexplained mystery and it's not something that we deal with very much in scientific life or in materialist um a materialist worldview of what dreams are or why we have them or why some people just think of them like tv static or just you know they're just like a, a loading screen on a computer but they do if you pay attention to them they'll tell you things they'll tell you things you don't know yeah no exactly yeah um (laughs) it's always annoying with these computer things when you want to talk you know but anyway uh (laughs) i'm never really good with computers anyway but um uh yeah no it is uh it is definitely very interesting and they could could definitely tell you so much uh, but it is a shame. It's it's what you just said about you know this mater- materialistic worldview is oh my god, <laughs> it's just uh, so many people they they will tell you like oh I don't believe that because you can't really touch it. You know that's that's yeah. the whole thing. It's only real when you can touch it. Yeah. But at the same time, those people they watch Game of Thrones. They they watch the oh well Jesus uh, yeah if we're gonna get cartoon you know like all <laughs> well, these things and they love it they love it and and you know they're obsessed about it they they go to these Harry Potter things and you know they're they they're, yeah. they're completely crazy about it and then when you start to talk about what it actually means mm. then it's like oh you're weird <laughs> yeah you run, can run into a brick wall all right but our imagination is so central to everything it's um it was something i kind of researched for a long time particularly when i was into dreams as well trying to figure out you know what the imagination is and what role it plays but obviously your past your future is all imagination even your the way we understand objects is to do with the having pre-existing ideas that make sense of them, which is in the imagination. So saying that dreams are imaginary doesn't really rule out the fact that they're a deep part of the human psyche that's very ancient. And I mean, it's something that if I think if you're taking psychology seriously, it has to be grappled with. Um, when you're looking at a dream, do you think of it in terms of the the shadow and the anima? I thought we could talk about some of those archetypes and because people always you know it never really makes sense to people i think who don't read carl Jung, what those things mean yeah you know, you know it's funny because you just mentioned before we started the podcast that mm-hmm. you actually read the books of, of carl Jung. Yep. and um it's funny because many people talk about uh uh, Carl Jung as as if they know what what his ideas are about mm. and they talk uh, in a way that that they they read the books but then eventually I found out that they they either didn't read anything yeah um, or they only read uh, men and his symbols yeah um yeah. and you know that that's not a bad thing but people tend to act like they they read everything <laughs> yeah and then i i i recently found out that that's not the case so then i would be like oh that's nice and then we can talk about these things and then i found out like oh i can't talk to you about these things because you don't know what i'm talking i'm getting about. nervous now that i haven't read enough young but <laughs> i've read oh no symbols of worry. transformation um oh great man yeah the man the symbols his biography, uh, the self, the undiscovered self, the spirit of man in art and literature, and the ego and the unconscious. Okay, yeah, that's those uh, ones. 
Well, that's quite a lot. I I haven't read any, uh, everything of Jung yet, mm -hmm. so because you know I, I I'm not a really fast reader actually. Mm. <laughs> I read a lot, He's but I don't. Very read dense really as well. It takes a really long time to get through. Like I've been wanting to read his the Book of Job and Aeon for oh, a long yeah. time, but it's just it's a big commitment really. Where <laughs> you're going to be for months at a time. I have too many things to be reading, but um, yeah, I I think the ideas the the kind of dramatic representations of Jung's ideas are can turn people off. They make people think that it's just make-believe. But when you actually have an understanding of them, I think it's a very powerful key for personal development that I've found. You know, even the shadow, the repressed aggression and sexuality to integrate and how that manifests in dreams and how you can reintegrate it into your psyche is... I mean, that's a real key to becoming the person that you could be, which yeah. is often, you know, hard to find. Yeah, I think I think the the problem is that um, people are like a lot of people are stuck in their egos, mm -hmm. and and because that feels safe, because you know that's the known, and mm -hmm. um, and that feels safe, and then they know their place in their lives in their idea of reality they know their place in the world among other people so um so yeah why why would you want to turn turn things upside down <laughs> and dig in your own psyche and find out all these like unpalatable things about yourself yeah you know like so so I think it's just terrifying for a lot of people for me it is very interesting and um you know, I'm I'm willing to to see all the the demons in my own mind, mm. uh, but I think for many people, yeah, it's just they they feel too safe in their egos, and 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 when you get into Jung, when you really get into Jung, and then you you look at the behavior of people, then it's like it it becomes it it all becomes some kind of cliche, you know? Do yeah, you I, I I can certainly. I'm kind of sympathetic, I suppose, in that there's a lot for people to handle all the time and they can yeah. be like, oh, it's just another thing that I have to pay attention to and, and get kind of feel out of their depth with. Yeah, no, but uh, it's, it's of course, not to, to be mean or anything or to mm. be arrogant in, in any way, but it's, um, it becomes so clear what the problem is. When you, when you get into Jung and you start to understand the unconscious and then um, people who are not willing to, uh, to take a look in their unconscious and are stuck in their egos... Yeah, and they they run into the same problems over and over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. and I'm like, yeah, but to me it is it is all clear, but you can't just tell them. This is also something I I just read in uh, in the book of Marie Louise von France. I don't know if you know her, but she was a. I think a I saw you posting about it. Was it a, a book of old stories? Yeah, she she writes about fairy tales. It's just, mm -hmm. oh, it's so lovely. I I yeah. love it. I love her work. But she also said that. You can't just um, uh, push someone's nose into their own shadow. Let's say uh, you, you can't. Nope. You can't do that. You uh, you can't just confront someone with their shadow or with their animus or anima or whatever. They have to find out for themselves, and 
And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And it certainly I should- does. I even find myself, I mean, there's so much stuff like when you're looking at yourself and you're kind of, even if you're going through analysis or reflecting on yourself or even just paying attention to what you're doing, there's so many things that are just kind of paved over. It's just like, I don't want to know about that stuff. It's always, you know, the shadow isn't made of all the things that are fun and exciting and great. It's all the stuff you don't want to know. Yeah, exactly. So I feel like having that, even just, it always reminds me of Carl Jung when he said, you know, that if you don't make the unconscious conscious, then it will lead you and you'll call it fate. That always scared me enough to take it seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, you should take it uh, very Mm. seriously. And, uh, and, but yeah, but that's exactly the point I, I guess I was trying to make like that, you know, when you don't pay attention to this, then, and you will run into the same problem over and over and over and over again, and you won't understand it. Um, and, and this is, yeah, this is what I was saying. When you, when you read Jung and you really try to understand the psyche, um, and you really try to work on, on your own psyche and your own life. And you, you try to, um, integrate your own shadow. Um, and then, then when you are all like soaked up in that, when you are all like, when that is your whole world and then. And then you you step outside of that world in into like the the normal world again. Then it's like oh, <laughs> I don't know. I, do you experience that too? That it's then suddenly it's well, yeah. I can. On, I certainly yeah. On a on an individual level, I'm quite sympathetic. But certainly on a national level, and I think there's a lot of stuff in our society what Jung would have called shadow projection of scapegoating, always yeah. finding evil in other people always looking to blame somebody else or to, you know, it's always, the evil is always out there in some other group, some other tribe, some other person. Um, whereas it's actually in you, it's, it's always this inner battle. And if you pay attention to things like that, to dreams, to recurring dreams, to those themes, um, but it's, yeah, it does require a certain commitment to, to self-understanding. Do you think you can do yeah. it? Is it only through dreams you can get that or can you do it through life as well? Um, I, I think um, like the, um, the total picture, let's say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so dreams is just one part, but there is also um, uh, active imagination. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You, yeah, you probably heard of that. So for people who don't know what active imagination is, it's like you... Um, it's like creating this scene or like taking a picture mm-hmm. of a castle and, and then imagine, imagining yourself standing next to the castle and, and then tell me what you see, what you see around you. And then whatever pops up, you know, like a frog or, you know, whatever you tell that. And that's active imagination. And so according to Marie-Louise von France, uh, that's even... Uh, more effective than interpreting dreams. Um, I don't know. I, I don't have uh, experience in that, yeah. but well, this is, that is definitely something that I would. We do. Well, try. that's, that's what Jung drove himself psychotic with, isn't it? When he wrote the, the red book, 
I've read some of that, the Liber Noctis, is it? Or the, the Black Book, that when he had, he used basically active imagination to induce a psychosis in himself and then used his own therapeutic techniques to get out of it, which I oh, thought wow. was pretty rock and roll for a psychologist. Yeah. Um, but that, that active imagination, and that's actually something you see a lot in sports psychology these days, people rehearsing the way they want things to go in their imagination. It's a type of visualization that you'll yeah. see a lot. But I guess with the way you're talking about it is less controlled and more to do with yeah. unlocking the the hidden content. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It is, it is, I guess, a bit related to to dreams. But mm. um, you know, with with sport, you actually imagine you doing the movements. Mm -hmm in slow motion, <laughs> very slow motion, <laughs> and then taking every detail into account. Uh, but active imagination is just like whatever pops up, yeah. you know, wh whatever comes to mind, then you pay attention to that. Yeah. And you try to, to reason what that means. That's really fascinating because you don't have to start at a specific point it's just anywhere. And it's actually better that you don't. I always find that really interesting in analysis and stuff where you'll just be asked, you know, how are you feeling or something to try and it, it just get rid of your defenses. So you don't want to have it. It's about getting rid of the, your kind of self-censoring almost. And if you can do active imagination properly, do you think that's something, it gives you access to what's going on in the hidden rooms? kind of right away um, yeah yeah i um yeah i um i i think i need to to read more about mm -hmm. uh active imagination uh, in order to say uh <laughs> i think you can do it with, I've, things. <laughs> I've heard it done with dreams as well whereby you reimagine the dream scene and then you replay mm -hmm. it but you yeah. replay it the way you would have wanted it to go yeah. Or the way you would have, you know, if somebody was beating you up or something, you stand up to them or, you know, you redo it how you would have felt. Um, it should have gone. I don't know if that's something you've ever heard of, but that could just be nonsense. But it's uh, Yeah, no, I, I, I heard of that too. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's very interesting uh, for sure. Uh, but I don't I don't have uh, any uh, experience in that yet. Yeah. Um, but you know, maybe, maybe later. Um, yeah. I'm sure you'll what? find all sorts of tools kind of as you get started. And I mean, it's a strange sort of, it's, I'd say you'll have to read everything because there's no, I don't really know, I guess Jung would be a good place to start, but do you read myths and fairy tales and those yeah. kind of archetypical stories to get a sense? Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, it's and I, I love myths and, and fairy tales, but you know, like I said, as uh, I'm, I'm not a very fast reader. Uh, I just I read a lot, um, yeah. but uh, I I only started reading uh, what is it three four years ago, mm, something like that. In 2017, I started reading a little bit. Yeah, so about four years now, mm -hmm. and. Um, and so there are so many books that I still have to read. <laughs> yeah. So like, for example, the Odyssey and the Iliad, I still have to read it and I really want to read it, but there are so many other books <laughs> that I also have to read. And I also really want to get into astrology 
And, you know, because that's also so fascinating to me. Oh, so yeah, there are all, and, and about shamanism and, you know, like all these topics, it's just, it's wonderful. And it's like this, this enormous world of mystery and I'm so drawn to it. Um, uh, but you know, like I have limited time. <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean, there's normal human stuff to do as well. That can yeah, be kind exactly. of a bit Writing tricky. Writing my thesis, for example. <laughs> yeah. It's a shame that you can't incorporate that into the thesis. Are you going to do a PhD afterwards? I know a clinical psychology you oftentimes have to do further research. Mm. Well, no. No, it's horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, no thanks. I, yeah, I'm considering doing a PhD in philosophy myself, but I don't, yeah, it's a, it's a long time. Um, yeah, you know, I, I always think that, you know, with these universities, it's it's only like training you to, to think inside the box. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you have to, uh, they, they, you know, like even like, Okay, philosophy, you know, that's so interesting. But the whole point of philosophy is thinking outside of the box. And how you like they then they're going to test you about that? Like Yeah, what? it can get a bit I know it's a, a bit strange how you actually do it. And a lot of it can become kind of like history. The idea is I suppose that you just through repeated essays and doing it, you learn how to argue. But a lot of it is very impractical. It's very academic. It's arguing about words and the meanings of things. Whereas philosophy with Socrates and Plato and stuff was about how you live your life. It was very practical stuff. And with academics, it becomes really theoretical. And I, I don't really, that doesn't appeal to me. I'm, I think similarly, like, did you get into the dream interpretation? Cause you have, you want to help people understand these strange things really yeah Hmm. yeah yeah of course um uh and and i'm also just i'm i'm super fascinated by it and Hmm. uh it's not just that i want to help people understand their dreams but i also want to understand (laughs) (laughs) their dreams like like all these Hmm. you know what's happening in the unconscious because you know like the human minds um you know, we have this collective unconscious and I want to understand it. I want to, mm-hmm. there, there's a lot of overlap, uh, between people. Yeah. And so I want to understand this for myself, but I also want to help other people, uh, understanding this. And, you know, I, um, I, I already helped some people. They, they really feel like, um, their, their life actually got more balanced and they, understand themselves way better since uh since i helped them interpreting their dreams so yeah what were some some benefits that people found i was interested in that and the ones you've helped so far um what were some things that they found useful from the dream analysis um well of course i can't talk for other people but (laughs) (laughs) what they told me is that they feel like everything is just more balanced and mm-hmm. easier like li- life gets more easy yep uh once you um you know when, once you're balanced out i don't know it's, it's hard to explain um i know what you mean though once you kind of yeah. understand things it gives this it it gets rid of the kind of itch to figure something yeah. out yeah and and it's it releases you i guess from a certain kind of frustration about things because frustration is often 
uh, because you don't understand things. Mm -hmm. Things feel like they just happen to you and you can't do mm -hmm. anything about it and you can't mm -hmm. help it, but they keep happening. And that's really frustrating. Uh, but once you understand your own part in this, once you understand um, what is going on with yourself, um, then you know where to direct your focus at. And when you direct your focus at that, then suddenly things become easier and not so frustrating anymore. So I guess that's, uh, that's what's helpful. Yeah. It's a way of exploring really, isn't it? I think one of the issues I suppose that came up with me for a long time, doing a lot of focusing on young and a lot of the inner stuff was that I also, I guess my bias was towards the inner world more than the outer world. And I kind of figured that you can alleviate that frustration as well by, I mean, the understanding the dreams usually leads to actions in reality. Maybe that's what the, C, the idea of the CBT ones, as far as I understand anyway, is that they'll change the behaviors, which changes the beliefs, whereas psychoanalysts change the inner world to change the outer world. Um, and do you find that it caused any, did anybody tell you any stories of anything of how it made them think differently about things or how... Um, I wonder, can you, do you ever consider combining the two, the CBT and the dreams? Um, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> you're just like, nah, fuck that shit. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, uh, yeah, I, I just, uh, I don't like normal things. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, yeah. you know, but, um, you know, people also tell me that, um, that the content of, of their dreams, it mm -hmm. changes after they consulted me. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So for example, there's this, uh, this young man and, um, and he had dreams about this very, uh, devilish woman, let's say he, uh, that really scared him. Mm -hmm. And then we started to talk about the anima and, you know, like femininity and, and that's like, that's hard because the whole point of femininity and the, an the anima is that you can't reason it. You can't rationalize it. You know, that's the whole point of it. It's like, it's the unknown. It's everything that's <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not a it's, rational concept. That you yeah, can. exactly. Because that's the masculine. The masculine is rationality. And so... Uh, and that you see that a lot with women these days. And I also had that exact same problem um, with the animus that uh, uh, women, they mm -hmm. become too masculine, let's say, because, you know, whole, the whole of society is directed towards that is um, women. They have to um, they have to go to school. They have to study. They have to get a great job. They have to make a lot of money and they have to compete with men. And, you know, like they, they have to show this masculine behavior all the time. And so no wonder that a lot of women are stuck in the animus mm -hmm. and they don't know how to be female anymore. And so I had mm -hmm. this problem too, but the um, the benefit that women have is that the only thing they should do is tone down the masculine and then the whole femininity comes as naturally um to the surface and uh and but for men that is that is really hard because okay so tone down the masculinity but then still their nature 
is masculine. So We're pretty blockheaded, so it can be tricky to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's like yeah, and then it's really hard to to become in balance with your anima. Mm-hmm. Um but we did it with this young man and then yeah, so his dreams changed and and um yeah, he kind of became friends with the uh with the feminine part in his dreams. So yeah, and that's a process of months. And I'd say that's so. invaluable for his life as well. When there's so many issues between men and women these days that you touched on, even for relationships and stuff and finding people to grow up and be, you know, good people, be yeah. adults, be responsible, because our nature is like running water. We'll just go to the easiest thing. We just, we race to the bottom very easily. And it's only the culture that actually is supposed to prop us up and encourage us. I think our culture is incentivizing people to fail and to letting people through the idea of freedom and, you know, moral relativism, and we can all do whatever we want because we're free. People actually don't become anything and we stay undifferentiated and in a state of half addiction and that we use things like pornography or like alcohol or shitty music just to give us a feeling for a second. So we forget about that loss of potential that we forget about that we're betraying the person that we could be. And maybe people don't actually know that. Maybe they don't, you know, maybe we've become so lost that we've, that's not even in people's heads anymore. And it's just hedonism. But I think there needs to be a revitalization of a lot of those important values that we have lost in recent times. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm definitely sure that we are a dying culture. Mm-hmm. We are because everything that is beautiful is torn down. Everything that um, that is actually good is being kind of punished, and everything that is ugly and terrible, and you know, like all these, um, all these exceptions let's say the in the like not in a positive way it's not like a mm-hmm. genius but someone who is very mm, like uh how you said like a victim this whole victim mm-hmm. mentality that's mm-hmm. that's being promoted that's mm-hmm. being rewarded uh, yeah that it's being incentivized for people yeah. to actually be i mean yeah there's a massive problem in the west and even things with the welfare state and stuff where you know if you're going to earn as much money not working and you're inclined not to work, why would you work? There's kind of, yeah, I, I do wonder if it's just a, a curse of progress. You know, you get to a certain point where you have enough wealth and there's no incentive for people anymore to actually progress. Um, although people do, I mean, there's a lot of people I know that are working very hard and that are trying to make something and do something positive with their lives. So I can't say it's all doom and gloom, but it, certainly the culture at large feels very shallow and very, yeah. you know, dare I say, toxic <laughs> in a lot of yeah. ways. No, exactly. Mm. But also like this whole this whole idea that you al- always should be working and working and working mm. and make yeah. money, you know, like really, really, we were born to to work our ass off and then <laughs> make money <laughs> and then and then you know pay all our money to insurances and you know all these kind of crazy things the whole idea of 
the earth is that you know whenever you plant something it multiplies mm -hmm. so there's always then people keep talking like oh there is shortages there is shortage okay yeah when you live in the city when you live in a place where a lot of people live and where they where they you know like they they build all these streets then yeah you're gonna you you can't build like traditional life you can't build a house you can't build you can't grow food it's like then you're you're part of this system you know mm -hmm. and um but i guess there's benefits and trade-offs to that as well of course, that you're kind of, of absolved of a lot of responsibilities that you would of have course. had to but the problem is that it goes further and further mm -hmm. and further and further uh until the points that you end up in a totalitarian system Mm -hmm. that's that's the whole problem and so i see all around me people that actually long for a life in nature again like you know it's just yeah there's like a real resurgence farm. yeah it's it, I, I i hear it all around me people just want to go back to nature they're done with society they're done with systems <laughs> with bureaucracy and filling out forms yeah because it's get it's getting like it's it's choking you because what what we just mentioned all these things all these addictions all this craziness and and there is no uh time let's say there is no um there's no focus on just you know relaxing just relaxing and contemplating and trying to figure out your own psyche trying to figure out your own dreams you know trying to figure out what is the meaning of life no people just just keep going without even know what the point of life is you know why would you even do it you yeah, know yeah it's a good point i mean the it just reminds me of socrates the unreflected life or the unexamined life isn't worth living but i think it is also a certain type of prayer i always i used to think that a lot that there's all these people that are in the rat race and that they're just like part of the system and wasting their time and stuff but i actually realized that a lot of people find meaning in that as well kind of the climb and maybe it might seem kind of pointless from the outside but we never know what what another person finds meaningful or what joy they get out of it and we can be quite i think as human beings we're very different and that's why it's hard to have a system that serves everything and i think the economic yeah. game benefits a lot of people but also that spiritual side that personal wisdom and love and curiosity gets left behind i mean if you look at the state of relationships these days like i don't think in our generation there's going to be anybody really that gets married or that has families for a very long time or that might be there's a real um loss of the respect and i think community between people that that keeps us together I don't know yeah. if it's the same in Holland, but certainly in uh, yeah. I've, se I've seen it in young people that we we almost treat each other as entertainment or as something either as enemies or as entertainment. And there's no um, a lot of shallow relationships rather than depth. That's why I think dreams are good, because it, it connects you to something much deeper than yeah. your just individual conscience. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, no, in, in Holland, it's, uh, it's the same. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's terrible. And mm -hmm. it's, it's very sad for, for many women who actually want to get married and mm -hmm. want to have children, you know, mm -hmm. like me. 
I've I've struggled mm-hmm. so long with this yeah. this whole problem. Like, oh, mm-hmm. this this whole idea of that everybody should just sleep with each other and use each other for their pleasures, and that's it. You know? Like, yeah. Oh, I, I, yeah. I, I agree. I, I mean, that. I've definitely, I've changed a lot in the last while and probably since lockdown really and meeting my girlfriend and having a stable kind of relationship for the first time in a long time that I kind of thought about it as, you know, it, what do you really want from life? What do you really, yeah. I mean, what's going to matter in the end? Is it going to be endless one night stands? Is it going to be how many girls you have on Tinder or is it going to be actually sharing your life with somebody and building something? And I think there's going to be a lot of people that are very disappointed when the music stops and you're like, well, you know, what did you put your time into? Um, Yeah. And for young men as well, that they're just, you know, taking responsibility is such a, it's a difficult thing to do if nobody's encouraging you. That's why I love Jordan Peterson because he encourages (laughs) young men to do that. Yeah. But he's probably the only one. Maybe yeah, well, of course, there are a few more, but yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's rare not, indeed. Not so many. But, uh, but yeah, like you just said that, mm. um, you know, when uh, there are people who find meaning in this way of life and, you know, mm. that's fine. It's as long as it has meaning for you. But I guess that the problem is that most people don't even think about it. They, they don't, why would you think about meaning of life? You know, like <laughs> that, that's weird. Only weird people think about that, <laughs> you know, like, um, so then they just, they're in this rat race. They don't think about the meaning of life. And then suddenly then there's this whole Corona situation in which life actually kind of stops Yeah, and everything starts to change. And mm. then people suddenly realize like, holy shit what what is happening like and and we yeah. we just need an uh like uh an economic crisis which is by the way coming uh, <laughs> yeah there's gonna yeah, be i was definitely. gonna say you're in luck because there's probably gonna be quite a few but yeah and <laughs> and then you know like all these people that that uh have earned so much money and and build up this this crazy bank account and they're like oh oh i'm i'm i i really um I'm really good in, in this system. <laughs> and then mm-hmm. suddenly like, what's that, that worth when everything falls apart? And then we come back to my point, like the only thing that is then that you need is you need to be able to survive, to grow your own food. Mm-hmm. And because money is not going to save you when everything falls apart. No, but what you said there, which is interesting. I mean, what, what's left really, what, I was thinking of there is character because character is something that you have no matter if you have no money, if you have all the money, you can have character still, but you have to, character is about what you do. And I think dreams are very much about character. Dreams are very much about who you are and about knowing yourself beyond that. Exactly. And, you know, I think that the whole point, like this, like taking this story together, um, is, is that since people don't really think about it, since people are in this in this red race in this system, and um, uh, I think many people are very very neurotic. Like many many people, and I can see that all Being around included. me. And 
<laughs> you include? I don't know. I don't I, know you well enough. About well, it. yeah, I definitely got a touch of the old neuroticism, but <laughs> yeah. oh, I, I wouldn't know. But um, mm. uh, no, but it, there's this this book of Jung, uh, this symbolic mm-hmm. life, and oh yep. my God, this is wonderful. He rants about society all the time, about science, about people being neurotic, and yeah. and it's it's oh, I love it. Um, mm. But yeah, and this is also what what my thesis is uh, more or less about um about uh, neuroticism that's you know actually all these these um disorders like depression and uh addiction you know all all kinds of disorders are actually neurosis and um and once you understand neurosis and and then you take a look at life how it is like this whole system and it's like, yeah, no wonder people are neurotic. And that, then we come back to the dreams <laughs> because um, I think that w- might really help to overcome the neurosis or yep. maybe prevent the neurosis. Mm-hmm. Um, because when you stay focused on living in the system and then the system collapses and what are you going to do? You know, like you'll be neurotic and you're not in line with your nature or with nature in general but as soon as you start to focus on your dreams because dreams are nature that's like that's what what Jung said dreams are the most pure product of the unconscious and the unconscious is nature and nature never lies Um, so I guess that I could be of great help there uh, since I can see that this whole system is falling apart and and people are not in in line with with nature there's something so, really that you said there i mean the symbolic world or the sim, the deficiency in the symbolic life of individuals yeah i think is the real problem with yeah. the materialist worldview exactly. is that we end up as just like bacteria with shoes on just mm-hmm. walking around doing nothing yeah. whereas the actual when you deal with dreams you realize that you have this very deep very ancient world inside of you that's actually yeah. alive all the way down and connected it's kind of the same with psychedelics where you get this experience of connection to something larger that people are exploring now but you can get the same thing from dreams that the feeling of mystery and wonder and being part of something that you're not just an accident you're not just you know some weird kind of evolved ape that's walking around not knowing what's doing you're actually um you're part of some larger process and dreams are a way to get in touch with that process again. And yeah. as you said, the answer to a lot of neuroticism, I, I think you're 100% correct there that that symbolic life is equivalent to mental health as well. I, I don't think you can be mentally healthy without it, without yeah. any of it, um, because it's just, it's context for who you are as a human being. Yeah, no, exactly. That's uh, that's exactly right. And also, yeah, like you said, uh, psychedelics. That mm. that's also something you should wonder about, right? Like mm. alcohol. We can all drink alcohol and get drunk and be stupid, <laughs> mm. yeah. but but we can't experience uh, the wondrous, meaningful world of psychedelics. You know, like that's also something that's like, mm, why, why exactly? And indeed, when you do the psychedelics and. Yeah, you get this feeling like I am the universe. Like the universe is this is the universe and I am the universe. And it's it's wonderful. And indeed, then you get this sense of like it's not an accident, it's not coincidence, it is all meaningful, and I'm I'm exactly where I need to be. 
that it's deeply meaningful yeah. and that each individual has a role to carry out. You've, you've got a piece of the puzzle and believing in that is actually central to carrying out whatever your life's about. It's, it's really a tragedy and it always upset me so much when I was younger, the scientific worldview and how it leaves behind the most important bit of being a human being, which is yeah. the experience of it from the inside out. I mean, that's what we are, first of all. And then the yeah. science is built on top of that, which I'm not knocking science. It's very important. But we, we've we lost that and we need to get it back because people feel like they don't matter. People feel like they're worthless. People not loving themselves. Not. It's just, you know, how could we have a, a working society if that's the norm for everybody? Of course, people are going to get depressed. It's just, yeah. it's a recipe for disaster, really. Yeah, and exactly. That's why it's a, a dying culture. But, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, like you read Jung, so you know that every death, every end is connected to a rebirth. So um, I guess that, you know, this whole great reset that they're doing, um, uh, I think it will be a reset indeed, but maybe not as some people planned. Well, hope, <laughs> hopefully something better anyway. We, yeah, we shall see. exactly. Exactly. Um, so, yeah. And maybe, yeah. So uh, many people are talking about the great awakening and the spiritual revolution. And so there is really this, this need for more meaning to life. And so I think that I'm, I'm kind of, you know, like uh, with my new business of dream interpretation, mm. Yeah, I think I'm like riding this wave that is coming. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. yeah. 100%. You're a part of it. That's yeah. amazing to hear. That's really, thanks for speaking with me today, Lanka. I, I really appreciate it. That was yeah. really, really insightful. Um, and yeah. where can people find you for the business? And if they want to book a session with you, what, what do they have to do? Um, so um, I, I have an Instagram page that is called Literature World one mm -hmm. uh, and there you can find a link and otherwise uh, you can find it at the website it's it's maybe a bit long but it's uh, lwdreampsychoanalysis.com amazing um, i can put a link yeah. in it as well oh great so I'll thank you okay it was an amazing conversation yeah that was great thank <laughs> you so much thank, thank you, you. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. If you're interested in Lonica's content, you can find her at Literature World One. And in the link in her bio, there's a website where you can find her dream analysis if you want to do sessions with her and also some information on Jungian psychology and different ideas. If you're enjoying the podcast and the guests and the ideas, click the follow button on Spotify or wherever you're listening. Follow along on Instagram at man underscore McCann. Yeah, get involved. I'd like to see it. Bye.